You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, Rebels and Imperials, technological terrors, and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Star Wars Resistance episode, A Quick Salvage Run. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Yo, what's happening, man? We're, uh, hey, just a little late this week. We're uh, a little late this week, us. but you know what? <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was worth it because now, instead of this having a question mark, I was just going to mm-hmm. jump right into this news. Uh, the yeah. Rise of Skywalker trailer is coming Monday night um, during uh, during Monday Night Football on ESPN. I I now I've seen questions in the past, and I'll just put this out there. People go like, mm-hmm. "Why do they put it on football? Like, why do they put it on during football?" Well, first of all, I can answer that. Yeah. Disney owns ESPN, so that's one that's a distribution yeah. channel that they don't have to pay for. And and two, uh, hey guys, we know that Star Wars is coming out in December, but the type of people who are <laughs> yeah. tuning into Monday Night Football don't. Um, right. It's the same reason why they put it on Good Morning America, right? Because uh, that crowd also does not realize that there's a Star Wars movie coming in December. I know. How is that possible? It doesn't make any sense. But uh, but that's reality, and uh, and so it's it, this is uh, 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 they're kind of crossing their their market segments and uh, and using these other again, Good Morning America on ABC, another distribution channel that that uh, marketing channel that Disney owns, so they take advantage of it. So that's why you see stuff like that. Um, it's also I I don't know I think it's good. Like Monday Night Football has a lot of eyes. And it means that a lot of people are going to see this trailer, and it's going to be big hype. And uh, uh, and you know that with the final trailer is going to come ticket sales. So uh, everybody be prepared for Monday night to uh, yeah. to, yeah. to hit up whatever whatever your um, theater of choice is uh, to to grab those those tickets because they're going to go fast. Um, I think this is going to be as as crazy as the Force Awakens was. Um, in terms of getting your tickets, so yeah. Well, and the third thing too, as far as uh, as far as the states here, um, Monday Night Football is the number. 
one show. You know, football, it's broken up between ABC and Fox and NBC and ESPN. And on every single network, it's the number one. I mean, it's getting Monday Night Football gets 10 to 15 million viewers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and like you said, obviously owned by ABC, uh, Monday Night Football is. Um, yeah, it's, it's a no brainer. I mean, you're going to get thousands, you know, millions and millions of people going, oh, that's right. The new Star Wars is coming out. And, and oh, it's only coming out in two more months, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, yeah it's that's a no brainer and money well spent because, like you said, I, I think I think we're going to have the um, Force Awakens effect here, too, with JJ coming back. And I, I don't think, obviously, a lot of people don't, don't realize that except for hardcore fans. But, um, We'll see what the, I mean. They're pulling out a full trailer for this. Yep. So yeah, I'm going to be refreshing my uh, you know theater of choice, like you said, uh, every minute to to for for these tickets to drop. So yeah, woo, can't wait for Monday night. I'm I'm really stoked about this trailer, man. I, I, I'm really excited to see what what uh, JJ brings out. I mean, with all the talk about the Emperor coming back and the last few days about him, you know, really wrapping up this story and this yep. this whole saga. I mean. Ooh, I'm super excited. I know a lot of people are really excited about The Mandalorian, which we'll talk about in a minute. But for me, it's always been the saga films. And uh, this is number one on my list for this, you know, coming out. And then Mandalorian, a close second. But yeah, Ooh, excited. Can't wait for Monday. Let's do it. Yeah, Ooh. absolutely. Um, yeah, it, I mean, like, I, I don't I don't think we need to explain to our audience how excited we are for a Star Wars movie coming out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, this this one's really got me, got me uh, hyped up and excited. Yeah. Uh, there's just something like, I think it's the fact that we're that we're kind of going into the final chapter of the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. We're closing that up um, and putting a putting a period on the end of that sentence, which is nice. Um, <clears throat> now, I mean, like for decades we felt that there already was with the end of return of the Jedi. And then obviously, uh, the force awakens opened up some old wounds and then, uh, and then the last Jedi seems to have, uh, kind of poked at those wounds for some fans. So I'm really hoping that the rise of Skywalker can come back in and really, um, really just kind of solidify that story for some people and, and that we can, this is my biggest thing is that, is that people not to go into the last Jedi rant yet again, but people act like, um, the last Jedi is Luke's final act. And it's, it's not like it's, it's such a, it's such a misreading of star Wars to ever feel that a Jedi losing their corporeal form is the end of their story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's ridiculous to me. Cause like, that's kind of the point it's right there in the first film. <laughs> like Obi-Wan says it, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And Luke makes a physical sacrifice, but that's not to say he's not going to be in this movie. He right. will be in the rise of Skywalker. There's no way that he's not. Um, there's no way that he hasn't been continuing to train Ray and that she hasn't been continuing to do stuff on her own. She is a Jedi now. And, uh, and 
we're going to get closure to that story, I think. And, and my hope is that that closure gives Luke Skywalker fans, uh, uh, a sense of closure that, that they can then look back at the last Jedi and, and maybe understand it a little bit better. Um, I don't know. That's, that's obviously a very hopeful outlook. I don't think that that's going to be true for the majority of the vocal, uh, I, I dissidents, let's call them separatists, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> to use a star Wars term. But, um, but I'm hoping that some of the other people who who have looked at The Last Jedi, the more reasonable people who've looked at The Last Jedi and said that they don't like it or um, that they don't like the way that Luke is handled in that, that maybe they can come away from from Rise of Skywalker uh, feeling a better sense of exactly what Luke chose to do and why he chose to do it. So I, I, I trust in JJ to... to um, he's been saying a lot lately that this movie is a satisfying conclusion to all nine right. films. I don't right. think that he can say that without, without them addressing the last Jedi and, mm-hmm. and Luke's arc in that, in that film. Um, now, I mean, like as everybody listening to this knows, uh, I am not one of those people that has a problem with it. I actually, uh, I think that Luke's story in The Last Jedi is better than anything that I could have come up with. Um, I think it's much more interesting. Uh, so I it, I was sick this week. That's why the episode's really late. It's also why my voice sounds kind of froggy. Uh, but I, I... So we recorded about... We recorded Arrow Quiver last night. And um, and and I was I was really negative about... about this week's season premiere of arrow. And the reason why is because those writers for arrow, they, um, there are no stakes for them. Meaning that, that like, it's the last season. They know it's the last season. They're building towards crisis on infinite earths. Um, not to, not to give away anything or like be spoilery. I think that most people who are tuned into this stuff know this stuff, but they're building towards a massive, massive crossover event. The biggest that they've ever done with these shows. And that is the finale of Arrow. Like, that is the end of Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen. Whatever form that ends up taking. If the character dies or he leaves for whatever reason. Or he goes off into Valhalla or whatever story they want to tell. Um, that means they're not coming back for another season next year. They don't have to retain an audience. They don't have to pander to the lowest common denominator. They can write what they want to write. And yet, at every turn in the season premiere, instead of doing something interesting, they did what they would have done in any other season of Arrow. And to me, that's such a that's such a missed opportunity. That's such a disappointing turn of events that um, a show that in its first two seasons, I think was kind of groundbreaking and, and definitely um, took every opportunity to subvert expectation and things would either happen on a way faster timeline than we're used to experiencing in a TV show or um, characters would not act in a dramatic soapy way. Like we came to expect on Smallville, but would 
actually have like real justification and emotion behind their responses. Right. And now they've gone like they've, they've kind of, the show's been around for so long that it's just doing exactly the opposite of what I, what I said about the first two seasons. Mm. The last Jedi to me is the opposite of that argument. And it's the reason why I like it so much. And I like Luke's story and it's, it's the reason why I want other people to come around to that story and to, to Luke's arc, because what Ryan Johnson did with that character was the least expected and most interesting thing that you could do with the story of Luke Skywalker. That is unfortunately um, antithetical to some people's star Wars theology. And so uh, those people see it as heretical Right. And that that that's where the 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 break happens. And with the rise of Skywalker, just to tie it all back into the trailer and this movie coming out, my biggest hope for it is that JJ is able to take what has happened in the last two movies and tie it together back to Return of the Jedi. Um back to Luke's moment where he throws his lightsaber down and says like, I won't, I won't do it. I won't turn to the dark side and connect where we see him in the last Jedi to that moment. And, and like, to me, it's connected. I filled in the blanks personally. I don't, I don't need that, but I'm hoping that in a little bit more of a literal sense in that character's own words, we can get that, that sense of closure from this movie. So aside from all of the other stuff with Ray and Poe and Finn and uh, uh, Rose and uh, Lieutenant Connix and all of these new characters that we've come to love, um, the exception being Snap, uh, uh, that's uh, uh, Greg Grunberg's character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really hope that, that the Rise of Skywalker can do that, that it can that it can close that up, that it can bring the emperor in as part of that storyline and have some finality, um, and some balance restored. Um, and, and, uh, and then whatever stories are going to be told post Skywalker saga, they start from a bit more of a fresh place. Um, that mm. said, I also expect that the galaxy will not be left in peace. It won't be, the end of return of the Jedi. I think that it will very much be, um, the, the resistance will have won, but the first order won't be gone. And I, and I think that what we might end up seeing moving forward is, um, a series of films that, that more closely resemble the legends canon that we knew. Um, and that we might actually see some of like, like the first order remnant sort of in the same way that we saw the Imperial remnant. Although like the, my other thing is, is I, uh, so I, have you read alphabet squadron yet? No, I have not. Um, I, so it's tough. It's a tough one to get through, but I think it's worthwhile. The, the first it's kind of in three parts. If I'm remembering correctly, um, it's a really long book. Um, and obviously I listened to the audiobook, but, um, it, but it's very long. It's a very long story and it takes a while for alphabet. It's the first part of a trilogy though. So it takes a while for alphabet squadron to come together and coalesce, but sorry, uh, but 
out of all of the stuff that they've done in that era so far, I feel that that Alphabet Squadron, along with the TIE Fighter comic, and I think if you actually throw in the story from Battlefront 2 into that, you, do, you don't have to play the video game Battlefront 2, just go out and get, just get a, a like, watch a YouTube compilation of the story right. of Battlefront 2, because the gameplay is awful. But the story of Battlefront 2 is awesome. I think if you combine those three stories, you get a lot of the stuff that people really liked from the era between Return of the Jedi and 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 leading into New Jedi Order. Um, so a lot of those X-Wing books, like Alphabet Squadron, I think kind of it kind of captures some of that. It's not as good. Like, Troy Denning wrote X-Wing combat better than anybody uh and and like that'll that'll never change but um but it they do a good job and it's not just x-wings because it's alphabet squadron that's a b y x and a u-wing there that's their squadron right but i i it really captures the the um the post galactic civil war I end up like beginning of the new Republic, like, cause it's technically like the new Republic has just started to form. So like, nobody really knows what's going on and it's before the battle of Jakku. So, um, it like the war is still happening, right? Like it's before yeah. they've defeated the empire and, uh, uh, and the remnants of the empire. And, and there's a lot of really good stuff in there. I know that like the aftermath trilogy wasn't for everybody. I didn't particularly like it very much. Um, just because I never connected with those characters, I, I, but I, and I, some people did like it, but um, I felt it didn't it it didn't capture the essence of a Star Wars story like I wanted it to. Um, but Alphabet Squadron actually like by the by the third part of that when they're when they are Alphabet Squadron and when Hera Syndulla comes in and I I kind of starts to take over as their as their commanding officer. Um, that it, the the story starts to coalesce a little bit more, and I'm hoping that in the next book it's even it's even better. Um, like I'm I'm actually I went from not liking the book when I started listening to it, and I listened to like the first two hours of it, and then and then dropped off and was like, yeah, whatever. I I'm not really feeling this. <laughs> and then I came back to it and listened a little bit further, and then Hera showed up, and maybe it's just my connection to that character that that is just sort of pre built, but. Um, Hera is written perfectly, uh, and uh, and and she kind of brings a bit of a heart to it that um that that it was missing in the first little bit. It was a little bit too cold and detached, but um, it all kind of comes together by the end of it, and is a really great like Rogue Squadron, uh, X Wing sort of story. Um, and then. Mm. And then the battlefront stuff brings in uh, the imperial side, and Tie Fighter brings in the imperial side, and uh, the Tie Fighter comic, and uh, I I think that people would actually find a lot of what they wanted from the the sequel trilogy uh, in in those stories, and I like my hope is that once Resistance is done, um, that that maybe we're actually going to go back and tell a story in that era. Um, but the other story to tell in that era is is the the search for Ezra. So it's it's difficult. Like there's a but 
the world is wide open now, right? We've oh, got, sure. um, we're going to talk about it in a second. We've got the Mandalorian coming, uh, Cassie and Andor almost got canceled, but, but it was saved yeah. at the last second. Thank God. Um, and, and obviously we've got Kenobi, uh, which is, which is getting ready to go, uh, to start filming. Right. So, um, yeah, like with Disney plus it really, I, I feel like all bets are off and we can, and like the fact that we're getting Kenobi tells us we can tell any story as long as, as long as there's a way to get in there. And with the live action stuff, I, I really want to see them go back to solo. Um, I watched it. Yeah. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I watched it. And, uh, uh, it's cause I, when I'm sick, I watch star Wars movies usually. Um, (laughs) Hey, it's a good, yeah. So I watched solo and just like, I love that movie so much, but it's so heartbreaking that we're not going to see a continuation of that version of the character. Um, so I really hope that we do end up getting to see that, uh, through Disney plus if this other stuff is successful. Um, and if, when you look at the MCU and, and what they're doing on that side, I, I they want to do the same thing with star Wars. That's the key to that, to Disney plus to that platform is, is to have content like that. But um, but as far as animated stuff goes, I really feel like we could have, we could do a story and you could bring Mark Hamill back to play Luke Skywalker and fill in those gaps, um, with his, his new Jedi order and, and what happened there. Um, and once rise of Skywalker is told, once that story is out there, I think then we can go back and we can see, um, everything else that led up to that. Right, that that led right. up to the moment when Kylo Ren destroys the temple and and he and his followers massacre everybody. Right, like I don't like that story is that story, and like I don't think that we really need much more detail there. I want to know what happens to Kylo Ren after that, and I think his comic book is gonna go into some of that detail, um, right. which I'm looking forward to because that one's that one's Charles Soule, right? Who did exactly. the yeah. did the Darth Vader comic? So. Um, right. Yeah, don't read Star Wars ongoing. That's that's my tip to everybody. Is that, like if you want to get mad about Star Wars, read the ongoing Marvel series, which I know that they've stopped and they're <laughs> restarting. But, um, it but if you want to read good Star Wars comics, go pick up like the the individual character series because they're much better. Um, oh, those are great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, but yeah. So I I don't know. Like, it's not as simple as. As it, it like it, it, previously, it was like okay, well, if they're gonna tell a Star Wars story, it's gonna be a movie, and then we started getting animated stuff. I'm like, okay, well, w- I guess we're just gonna get animated stuff from now on. And then Disney bought Lucasfilm, and it's like, okay, we're getting more live action films, and now we're at this point where it's like, you got a Star Wars story to tell? Let's tell it. Let's find the right medium for it, and let's tell it. Maybe it's a video game. Apparently, Jedi Fallen Order is incredible. People who've been playing yeah, it this last week are like yeah. blown away by this game and how good the gameplay is, how complex it is. I just saw a thing that that your lightsaber is fully customizable. There's four elements to it. There's the material of the lightsaber. There's the crystal. There's the emitter and the color of the blade. So you can like you can fully customize your lightsaber in this game and I. Uh, here's my money like uh like 
sign me up day one. Like there's yeah. no way. And then it's being compared to Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, uh, which is ridiculous because that's one of the greatest video games ever made. Um, and then apparently, like the story is apparently really good too, which I which I find really surprising because it's yet another story about yet another lost jedi in lost the jedi. like yeah. like in the era of the purge <laughs> right like i right. we have so many of these stories now both legends and canon that it's like really we're gonna go back to this well but apparently this one's really good so um yeah i mean like if you have a star wars story to tell uh i think i think i i there's a medium for that story to get told, whether it's a video game, a comic book, an animated series, a live action series, or a movie, um, or a novel, right? Like it's it, like there are just there are so many options for Star Wars storytelling, um, and and the best part of that, and the thing that I hope that people embrace is not all of it is for you as an individual. Some of it is for sure, right? Alphabet Squadron is not for everybody. I enjoyed it. I ended up enjoying it a lot. Um, the Qui-Gon Jinn book, not for everybody. I loved it because it was a lot of Qui-Gon, Dooku, Obi-Wan stuff. And it was, it was really fascinating. Yeah. Um, the Dooku audio drama, not enjoying it. Not enjoying it, really? even though okay. I thought I would, because it's like, oh, here are characters that I love, Dooku, Asajj, right? Like, we, I think when you get later into it, you start to get some of the other characters. I haven't gotten very far because I'm not enjoying it very much. Um, mainly because if you're gonna do that, well, I don't know why you don't get the Clone Wars cast to do it, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Such yeah. a weird choice not to bring them in, but uh, uh, probably because the audiobook performers are cheaper, but. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you have to, I think you have to get really good at discerning which stories and which mediums are going to be uh, entertaining for you, and then and then you can pick and choose. And maybe that means, and I know that this is going to sound sacrilegious to a lot of people, but maybe that means the movies, they're just not for you anymore. The new movies that are coming out. And that's fine. Yeah. I think that that's okay. I think that it's okay to be a fan of the original trilogy movies and the storytelling that goes along with that. And even the legends canon, right? Like all of that stuff that happens post return of the Jedi through to what is it? Fate of the Jedi, I think is one of the last storylines that they did. Like maybe that was your jam and that's fine. That's okay. It's not like, that's not a dig against anybody. The problem is thinking that like, well, I love that stuff. Therefore, everything with Star Wars on it has to be for me, right? Like that's is that entitlement. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just I because we're going into Mandalorian, and I'm a little bit worried that Mandalorian's not going to keep everybody happy. Uh, I, yeah, I think in which in what way? I I, th- I think that it's going to be different from what people are expecting. Um. And I say that only in the sense that we have seen very little of it, and uh, it it does have Dave Filoni's fingerprints all over it. So I think people are expecting that it's going to be like the the Game of Thrones of Star Wars, 
And I don't think that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be live action Clone Wars. And, and I think for you and I, perfect. I that's think for great, most yeah. people listening to this yeah. podcast, that's exactly what yeah. we want. Right. But when John Favreau has access to anybody that he could possibly pull and he brings in Dave Filoni to direct the series premiere of that and the season finale of that, that says to me that John Favreau knows what's up because he worked with Dave on the Clone Wars and understands Dave Filoni knows how to tell Star Wars stories better than anybody aside from George Lucas. And to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest, I've said this before, better than George Lucas. Because I think that Dave Filoni has the the separation from the emotional attachment, having created the, the, the franchise the way that George did. I think that Dave is able to step back, see it for its faults, and see it for its strengths, and do the best job possible. Um, <clears throat> so I think The Mandalorian is going to be great. I think that the majority of people are going to really like it. I do think that there are some people that are expecting to go into this like it's going to be Game of Thrones or Walking Dead or like something edgy and dark and all that stuff. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be PG-13-ish and I think it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be sophisticated storytelling because The Clone Wars was sophisticated storytelling but I think it's definitely going to be a really long Clone Wars arc or Star Wars Rebels, right? Like I think like it's going to be along those same veins. Um, and, and I think that that I, 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 I'm worried that that might put some people off. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I just, I'm I always it, thought, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I always thought like when they mentioned, you know, you mentioned the whole game of quote unquote game of Thrones um, expectations for me, I just thought of it as, you know, the amount of detail they put into it, the production yeah. values and, and the cost. I never thought of like, oh, you know, it's going to be a lot of TNA and, you know, like Game of Thrones is. I just yeah. thought of it as production value. Um, but I can see what you're saying where people are looking for some kind of crazy, intricate story that goes. I don't know. It's 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 going to be – oh, we, we got the um, – Speaking of Mandalorian, we got the release schedule too. Yeah. So it's all coming out, you know, one one after another. There's no breaks. No, uh, we start on November twelfth with the launch of Disney Plus, and we're right. done by December twenty seventh. Um, yeah. The thing that I love the most is that I uh, so the first week so Disney Plus launches on the Tuesday, November twelfth, and then I we're gonna get new episodes of The Mandalorian every Friday. So that week is not an exception. That week, we're going to get another episode on the 15th. So we actually get two episodes the first week, which is really cool. Um, and then, for, like, moving forward, we get a new episode every Friday, except for the Friday that The Rise of Skywalker comes out. That Friday, it yeah. moves to Wednesday <laughs> night. So, yeah, I, I like that they are, that, that the week of The Rise of Skywalker, they're avoiding Friday. That they're like, they're like, hey, I, uh, we know what's up. Um, I just, mm-hmm. I like that attention to detail that they're not like. Although, like the other part of that is, is you really didn't have to avoid the Friday night because the people who care about watching it, like the second that it goes up, 
they're gonna have already seen the rise of skywalker some of us twice oh yeah so sure sure yeah. you know uh not really yeah not really necessary to move <laughs> it but uh but i appreciate that they're thinking that way um yeah so yeah the the other the other thing that that becomes interesting is um clone wars and and uh uh and resistance and and what's going to happen around the timing of those and which one's going to which one's going to end and and which one's going to when one's going to start and all that are they going to are we going to have them on at the same time um mm -hmm. but uh yeah so with i guess along with this release schedule we'll go ahead and announce here that uh that matt and i will be doing a new podcast um and that's gonna it's gonna be about the mandalorian but i uh, i the new podcast which we came up with the title of last week uh on the on the show uh will be uh <laughs> faster more intense and i i <clears throat> we're gonna we'll we'll have episodes premiering the same the same week as uh as as the disney plus stuff and we'll we'll be basically doing an episode every week uh i to coincide with this so um so look forward to that uh yeah and uh and then that podcast will be uh where where matt and i talk about um exactly this stuff the the uh, live action star wars whether it's the um the disney plus series or the movies um basically anything that's not animation the faster more intense will be the podcast that we talk about it so what you might end up actually seeing is um is matt and i moving away from doing rebel cells on a regular basis and only coming back for animated stuff and doing faster more intense on a more regular schedule um to 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 cover star wars news and stuff like that um mm -hmm. but that said i one of the things we're going to be doing moving forward with all of the Thunderquack podcasts is that everything's going to be moving to thunderquack.com and there are going to be multiple feeds for all of the podcasts. And, and uh, one of the things that you'll be able to do, which I hope will be really convenient for everybody and that people will take advantage of it is that we will have a Thunderquack star Wars feed. And what that means is that any podcast that has a star Wars, like that the main content is star Wars. So whether that's rebel cells, faster, more intense star Wars, the saga continues, or even specific episodes of the Thunderquack podcast, they will come through to the, to the Thunderquack star Wars feed. So you'll be able to just subscribe to one feed and never miss an episode of star Wars content. So, um, so I think that that'll be really, that'll be really helpful for people. And if you only want to subscribe to certain content, you can do that as well. Um, you'll be able to subscribe to just rebel cells or just, uh, just faster, more intense, etc. Right. So, um, that'll be, that's something that'll come along in 2020, uh, that I kind of have to, I have to, there's a lot of podcasts to move from their own websites on the thunderquack.com and I kind of have to restructure things. So it's something that I'm planning to do. I uh, starting probably with quiver when, when arrow ends. Um, uh, but, but honestly, faster, more intense will be on thunderquack.com from the beginning. Uh, because that way I just don't have to move it. Um, and, uh, but, but if you're, but if you're listening, 
on the Rebel Cells feed. Uh, we'll put at least the first episode on this feed so that you guys know when that starts um, and where to mm-hmm. go to subscribe to that um, when it does start. So uh, look forward to that and uh, and look forward to lots more Star Wars content coming in 2020. It's uh, it's it's very exciting. Oh yeah, tons of great stuff and you know we had talked about also um, other uh, hosts in the Thunder Quack family kind of coming in and in and out and so you're gonna have probably a mix of uh of people coming in and sharing ideas and theories and thoughts so yeah i think that'll so. be fun too yeah i think so yeah. i think i think that we'll definitely ask some people to come in um um for certain episodes and uh, and of course it's all scheduling stuff right so there might be oh, an yeah. episode yeah. where where one of us ducks out and somebody else takes over but um and and when it comes to 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 the future shows, we might switch up those teams, right? So, um, oh yeah. But I'll tell you, right. like I want a podcast about all the Star Wars live action stuff. So uh, the yeah. the other part of it is that with all of the MCU stuff, uh, we'll also be doing another podcast uh, for that, and and that'll be for all of the live action MCU stuff. So whether it's the movies or the the Disney Plus series, and um there are some that I definitely want to be a part of. And then there are others that I'm like, ah, I don't really need to, to be on every episode of that. So, um, so yeah, I, like we're the, the strategy for 2020 is kind of shifting away from, from ongoing series and more into sort of like these limited series where we're just going to put out a chunk of episodes. Um, and, uh, and, and you'll kind of, you'll, you'll, you'll get, a couple of hosts for that, but it'll always be Thunderquack people. We might bring new people in from time to time, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be the, like the, the podcast will be less of a commitment. Um, but although we will still have ongoing stuff, so we will still have sure. the Thunderquack podcast ongoing and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. just sort of embracing a little bit more of, of the way that, that content is coming out now and trying to, yeah. to sync up with that. Cause I don't think that the 22, episode seasons are going to be around for much longer and uh and uh, it's be a thing of the past yeah we're yeah. going to kind of adapt to that so <clears throat> cool um with that do you want to get into the episode yeah let's do it let's start it off calculate the jump chop how is my boyfriend doing maybe i can help you I am Boba Fett. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. Kenobi. Ahsoka! Kenobi! Hand it over, Ewok. No! So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome! Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Episode Recap. So, uh, episode two. Uh, Mike, we got a quick salvage run. Uh, Familiar uh, director, Bosco Ng, and uh, writing, Brandon Allman. And let's, uh, I guess I'll start off. What do you think, Uh, Mike? uh, Tam finally plays Kaz's message, only to be found by Jace Rucklin. He says she must... Uh, he says she must hand her comic over to their supervisors 
and reminds uh, Tam of her friend's uh, betrayal. So, um, again, there, I think this season is going to be a couple of things, and one of them is this constant um, pull from Tam on whether she's doing the right thing or not. Kind of like almost like a, a Kylo in The Force Awakens where he kept getting pulled between the light and the dark. Here's uh, – you know, Tam is kind of going through the same thing, and she's listening to this uh, Kaz's message again. And, I, and I'm, my first thoughts, well, is she rethinking things already? Uh, and then we see Rucklin is back, and he wants to, and he kind of warns Tam about this message, and he's playing the other card, you know, how she's being manipulated by Kaz. And uh, so it's it's this constant, like, Am I doing, you know, she's always, am I doing the right thing? Not always, but so far in this season, it's it's a lot of her questioning her decisions. Um, and I think that's one of the storylines that we're going to see throughout this season. Are you, you got any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I. so one of the things that I really liked in this episode was an explanation of why she hasn't been brainwashed by the First Order yet. And Pyre says, mm-hmm. like, she, she really needs to go through conditioning. And... Um, yeah, and Agent Tierney is like, no, she's more useful to us the way that she is right now. Um, so that tells me that that we're in danger of her usefulness wearing out, and that's the point where where they will um, indoctrinate her with the conditioning, and um, and and will potentially for a time lose Tam, um, and then of course it'll be up to to. Kaz and team to rescue her, right? But um yeah. so yeah, I would anticipate us getting to that point where it seems like she's about to turn and for Tyranny to be on to because it like Tyranny is on to her. Like like I think that oh, Tam yeah. is under the impression that she is uh uh getting away with this right now, but but the moment later, which we'll talk about when we get there, like I think that Tyranny was testing her and now has her answer of like, mm-hmm. no, oh, this yeah. is, this is something I need to keep an eye on, but this leaving it open like this gives us an opportunity to, to, if Tam tries to contact Kaz, that that's their, that's their thread back to the Colossus. Right. So, right. um, yeah, I think that she's using it to her advantage for sure. Yeah. Uh, here, look, yeah, I, you know, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you, no, it's, uh, I'll next, go ahead. Yeah, uh, at Aunt Z's, Kaz is shocked to find that the lively cantina is officially out of drinks. Niku quickly adds that the Colossus itself is in danger of running out of fuel, food, and supplies, but Kaz is hopeful that their next stop will address all these needs. Kaz goes to command to receive a long-range communication from his father. He says that Kaz's family was off-world when the First Order destroyed their home planet and have all survived, but Kaz's father warns his son to stay away from Dakar. The First Order identified Kaz, and bounty hunters may be looking for him. So, uh, lucky that Kaz, that, that his family managed to survive this, um, survives yeah. the destruction of Hosnian Prime. But, um, but now he's being warned, you know, you gotta, you gotta stay away from the resistance. You're, you're putting everybody in danger. I thought that was really interesting. Um, the way that they really emphasized uh, that his decisions are actually putting his other family members in danger. Um, and as 
the first order grows in power, I think that that'll be more and more, um, that they're in danger. But, uh, I don't know. I'm hoping that we get to see more of Kaz's family this season, uh, before the series is out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, like you said, that hologram, um, from, uh, I guess father Ziono, uh, like you said, family's okay. They're off world. Um, but like you said, his father goes, Hey, listen, um, you've been publicly identified by the first order now, and you can probably expect to have bounty hunters mm-hmm. on your uh, tail soon too. So I don't know if, if you know, if, if down the line here we're going to, you know, have bounty hunters kind of chasing after Kaz and seeing him try to get out of that. But they kind of, you know, plant a little seed there about bounty hunters possibly being after him. But I, I, another thing too about this is the um, it kind of goes into the Colossus kind of uh, the economy of it somewhat. You know, they're talking about how it's running out of supplies. Yeah. And, you know, this this thing was dependent on salvaging and uh, importing goods. Um, it was a refueling station. And all that was disrupted uh, when the First Order comes and they have to, you know, now they're on the run. And now all of a sudden now they got their shortages of food and water and they talk about the fuel situation. So, yeah, this I mean, it's just a, it's just everything is on the line now with this with this with this group. So kind of addressing the. Uh, uh, the economy situation of the Colossus as well, how they used to uh, rely on all that kind of stuff on the outer, kind of the outer territory there. So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, let's see. Jace and uh, Tam visit Agent Turney. Tam hand, uh, hands over the comic saying that Kaz attempted to contact her. The Colossus arrives at Dakar only to find evidence of a deadly clash. I think we're too late, Kaz, uh, Yeager says, as Kaz realizes that the resistance base has been wiped out. Kaz has an idea. They can salvage coaxium fuel from the remains of the First Order uh, dreadnought, but they'll need some pirate help to do so. So, uh, again, uh, Tam tells Turney about the message that Kaz sent. So you talked about that earlier, about uh, how Turney's... I think... uh, Well, another thing that happened here, too, was Jace... And his friend uh, were last seen in in the episode No Escape, being escorted by stormtroopers. Well, now we yeah. see that it looks like they've been turned. You know, they joined the First Order uh, as pilots, just like Tam. So we we kind of get some continuity there between Jason and his friend and, and yeah. where they've you know progressed. But uh, the wreckage on Dakar, Mike. Uh, the Colossus arrives at Dakar, obviously not long after Battle of the or the beginning of the Last Jedi, I would assume. Yeah. And they scavenge all these uh, scavenging supplies from the dreadnought, um, which was destroyed in that battle. So, wow, a lot of co- you know connection here to the to the movies and everything and the continuity. I kind of like that stuff. Any any thoughts on this? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I I think I think it really uh, hammers home the the devastating losses that the resistance took in that yeah. battle. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that, uh, that, that the film talks about it, but maybe didn't show it as well as this scene does. And I think that this really reinforces it. There's a lot of X-Wings. There's a lot of, um, resistance ships in that wreckage, uh, around the, uh, around the dreadnought and, mm-hmm. uh, and also that smoldering, like that they can see from space, the smoldering hole that used to be the resistance base, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think is, is, is also, uh, I, 
very clear <laughs> uh, as to how yeah. much damage they did. Uh, um, and thank goodness that the resistance got away when they did. Right. But uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I love this idea. I love, I, I, I think we fully expected that they were in this episode that we were going to get to Dakar and we were going to see the aftermath, but I love the mm-hmm. idea that the, that there are remains of the dreadnought and what's left might actually um, have what we need. So, so we're not, all hope is not lost. Yeah. But uh, right. uh, as as Yeager and uh, and Doza say, like the 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 first order is not going to be far, um, and they don't mm-hmm. even realize how much how good of a bead uh, the first order has on the Colossus right now. So um, so yeah, uh, the the time is of the essence. But we as the audience know even more than yeah. than they do that yeah no you guys gotta hurry up and do this so um mm-hmm. i i like this i, I like the setting up this this uh fragile alliance with the pirates um and uh and and uh i really like the direction that they're going with the aces we'll talk about that in in a little bit um and especially for next week's episode um i think they're doing they are finally doing the story that i want them to do on resistance and that's <laughs> that's really exciting. Um, and if you've seen some of the clips from next week's episode, it looks like it's going to be a good one. Um, but here I'll continue. Uh, meanwhile, the first order has traced Tam's comlink signal to Dakar. Tierney informs Tam of the good news and invites her to watch as they capture the Colossus. Craigan and his crew, along with Kaz and his friends head into the dreadnought. They find coaxium, but suddenly the first order arrives. Tierney releases a squadron of TIE fighters and Doza scrambles the aces to meet them. Kaz and the others manage to escape the dreadnought just before the First Order destroys the downed craft. They make it back to the Colossus, but the battle still rages. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, we kind of we skip over a lot of uh, sort of nail-biting uh, tension on, on the, the wreckage of the dreadnought, as, as well as a good, bit of good humor. Um, with the pirates, yeah. and they're kind of stealing everything that sure. isn't bolted down, <laughs> and possibly yeah. a few things that may have been. Um, and uh, but but the the main characters are still on that mission to get that coaxium, and uh, and all we need is just one, just just one uh, little piece of refined coaxium in order to uh, to save the day, but. Uh, I, so okay, so this is one of my things with coaxium in these stories. Uh, it's really inconsistent the way that coaxium is treated. Uh, it, at the beginning of Solo, Han is carrying the the vial of of hyperfuel in right. his pocket, and then he hands it over to uh, to to Kira, and then Kira, they. Yeah. And then they're in a chase in which Han ends up crashing the speeder, right? So that tells me that refined coaxium in that containment unit is safe to handle. It's not as dangerous as... Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, the the freshly refined coaxium at the end of the movie, there's a lot more of it. So I think that that Han's... Han's, He's being, he's not necessarily telling the truth when he says to to Dryden, uh, "Hey, be careful, 
right? Like he's he's try he's playing up the con that this isn't the real coaxium. Like he doesn't want him to get a close look at it. But he also mm-hmm. knows like I'm going to give you the coaxium and you're going to you're going to act like it's fake. So hopefully that doesn't kill us all. Like hopefully you don't smash it against the table because if you do that then we're all dead. But if you just hold it in your hands and jostle it around, it's not the end of the world. Um granted the ship has been blown apart the dreadnought's been blown apart so maybe that's destabilized the coaxium a little bit um but they could have been a little bit more clear that like hey this coaxium i I guess there is the moment where it starts to turn red right but they could have been i think they could have been a little bit more clear of like like here's the thing apparently this is what we fuel all of our ships with um it's 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 valuable but it's not like it's it's not so dangerous because clearly everybody in the galaxy is using it to power their ships so like we can be a little bit more chill about it but um there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of fuss about like oh moving it really really slowly um which i think it it adds to the tension of the episode which is the point but um i just feel like it's a little bit inconsistent unrefined coaxium i get it it's it's unstable and it will eventually explode but i don't know i i feel like they like the refined coaxium needs a little bit more clarification about the rules in order for me to take this scene seriously and not the problem is that i end up sitting there questioning like is that really (laughs) does that does that sync up with everything else that we know about coaxium now like um and this is this is this is one of the dangers that you get into when you start to define things like what ships run on and that it is hyperfuel and that it, hyperfuel is coaxium and blah 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 because now we're getting into Star Trek territory of like well if you do this certain thing then the dilithium crystals do this right um and I don't I don't like it when Star Wars goes into that territory but for better or worse they've created I I a storytelling mechanic from solo that is being carried over into some other stories. And if it is, then it needs to be consistent or we need to further define the rules. Um, otherwise, yeah. otherwise yeah. it's not, it's not that I'm like, well, Oh, there's a continuity error. It, that's not the problem. The problem is that it takes me out of the storytelling. Right. When I'm like, but wait, isn't that refined coaxium? Shouldn't it be more stable? Like, isn't mm-hmm. it? It doesn't seem like yeah. it's that big of a deal, but uh I don't know. Everybody's just carrying it around in that case, like whatever, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a, I mean, my thing too. Was I the nod to the coaxium in this episode? That was a, in and the instability of it uh, kind of was established, like you said, in Solo. So, um, I never even thought about what you're saying. No, it does make sense what you're talking about. How it's, I like the continuity part of it, but just to have it kind of, uh, like you said. In solo, it was he was carrying it around in certain parts of it. Yeah. Here, yeah, I get it, I get it. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and like you said, in this particular portion here, you talked about the pirates and yeah. how at first they weren't into this salvage plan, but then they Sonara goes, "Hey, why well, you can have all the weapons on it and scavenge whatever else you want to." Okay, okay, yeah, I guess we will be into yeah, this. Take, thing. That's yeah, pretty take cool. your crew Let's over do it. And, and get whatever else you yeah. want. Yeah. The, the thing then, uh, is that like that's gonna yeah. that ultimately benefits the Colossus as well, right? Because the better armed the pirates are, uh, uh, and oh, also yeah. like whatever yeah. they bring over, like like you, it's gonna it's gonna there's gonna be commerce on on the Colossus, and it's gonna 
it's going to get traded around for food and whatnot because everybody's got a certain amount of supplies at the moment. So um, it's good. It's yeah. good for everybody because you're going to have salvage that they're going to use to fix the Colossus. They're going to have weapons to defend the Colossus, and uh, and and everybody's everybody's better off for it. So um, yeah, it, it, I think I think the 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 cool idea here is that the Colossus becomes kind of a a. <clears throat> Um, like a microcosm for what the Republic is all about. And, um, and the great thing about the Colossus since day one of, of star Wars resistance has been that it is populated by all sorts of characters, all sorts of species and backgrounds and everything. And that makes it a really great star Wars location. Um, And, uh, and, and, and this, and it, it's led to some good storytelling in this season so far. So, uh, yeah, I hope that they that they continue that. Uh, go, ahead, you can continue with the next, the next chapter. All right, let's see where we at. Um, Nico attempts to remove the coaxium from its canister and install it into the Colossus uh, engines. While the first order of star destroyer inches closer, pummeling their ship. Finally, Nico finishes, and the Colossus makes the jump to hyperspace. So yeah, um, through this section here, you got you know. First of all, you had Paige or Pyre and Turney. They were kind of congratulating Tam on finding the Colossus. And, and further, um, you know, Tyranny is continuing to play these mind games with Tam and kind of almost kind of paying attention to her reactions and this kind of thing regarding Kaz and all that kind of thing. So yeah. there you have that angle going on. Um, and then you have finally they arrive and, uh, and they send this barrage onto this dreadnought to try to blow it up and then the, finally the aces are scrambled uh while the like i said while the first order is firing on this so we get to see the aces uh briefly in this episode so yeah i know that kind of probably excited you but it, the look on tam's face this is one of the things that kind of jumped out at me was um while she's watching the first order fire on the colossus uh from the bridge of the the star destroyer uh I think that was just a subtle thing, you know, you kind of see her face and, and again, she's still like, wow, you know, I, she's questioning things in her mind and you can see the, the look on her face like, oh man. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of things going on here. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, the, 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 the scenes with Tierney and Pyre with Tam remind me a lot of like sort of the Vader Tarkin. Yeah. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It reminds love, me a lot yeah. of that stuff. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, here, I'll continue. Uh, Commander Pyre tells Tam that despite the Colossus' escape, her help has been invaluable. After Tierney dismisses the cadet, Pyre says that Tam must be conditioned to ensure loyalty. Tierney, however, resists. She believes that Tam in her current state is key to finding the Colossus. So that's what I talked about earlier. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'll just, I just want to talk briefly about the, about the aces. Um, yeah. So like I said, I really like where they're going with this story that the aces are used to racing and they are not used to combat. And, and it shows in this episode uh, that they go out and, and yeah, they can defend from pirates who aren't organized, who aren't uh, properly trained, but, um, but they have a real hard time defending against the first order who not only are well-trained, they're actually uh, like brainwashed into being sort of perfect soldiers. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's definitely, uh, they, they, you get the sense that they are outmatched. Um, and we're actually, we're lucky that they all made it back alive. 
Um, yeah. and, uh, and I also really like the, the way that they, uh, uh, that they land the ships. Um, like they're all oh, that we've got it coming hot. And, uh, I, uh, you see them coming into the into the bays, just kind of smashing into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just it just really hammers home the desperation of the situation that that we're in right now. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I I thought that that was some really great storytelling, and where it's going in the next episode, we'll talk about in a second. But uh, I I I really like this direction. I think that there's going to be some cool stuff here about this team coming together, um, and Kaz will is finally in the right place. Um, and the reason, I think the yeah. reason why Poe recruited him um, specifically. I, I, and so I like, that's, I think that's really cool. Um, do you want to hear, we'll finish out the episode and then we can talk about, about that and the next episode. Yeah. On the Colossus, Sonara insinuates that the first order knew they were at Dakar because of Kaz's message to Cam or to Tam, both Kaz and Nico bristle at the suggestion because it would mean Tam reported the transmission. So going back a minute, um, you, you talked about uh, the first order uh, Pyre and wanting to be conditioned. I think I think one uh, Pyre kind of notices possibly that that Tam is maybe gr- regretful a little bit of joining the first order. So he's like, hey, we got to condition her, uh, you know, do that thing that they did to. Uh, uh, to uh, all the you know the young troopers that are indoctrinated in, into the first order at a young age, the conditioning thing, and I, he, he's talking about doing that. But Tierney thinks that, given the current mission, um, maybe she's more valuable just leaving her. And I think there's this this thing that Tierney's picking up on is like, let's use her uh, regretfulness as a tool for us to find out what the heck's going on. Because let's let her keep talking to to Cass possibly and, and getting more information that way. So. Two opposite sides. You know, Pyre wants to do this and conditioner and get her on board. And Tyranny's like, "Oh, hold on, let's let's wait and and let's let this kind of um, shiftiness kind of work in our advantage." So I kind of like the way they're playing that up. It's pretty cool. And then, of course, the very end here, you're talking about um, you know, Cal is refusing to believe that Tam gave them up. So he's you know he's still on board with you know he thinks uh, you know whatever he's thinking about Tam. You know, maybe she did she's not doing it. She's not fully invested or something, but, yeah. um, you know, there's just still this, this, I don't know what's going to happen with, with, with Kaz and Tam and, and he's on the more positive side. He's trying to think of it as, you know, she's going to come around. So any thoughts on the end here? Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I think, I think it's really interesting how, how, um, others like, uh, Sainara and Yeager in particular are, are sort of saying to Kaz, like, look, Tam made her decision. Um, she's, she's lost to us now. And this is a very star Wars thing, right? Like this is, I think yeah. you said earlier, it was like the Kylo Ren sort of aspect of like, she's being pulled in two directions. Um, yeah. she obviously feels betrayed by her friends, but she's not a bad person. And she's, I think, starting to see how the first order operates and, and the way that the ends justify the means and, all of that sort of thing. Um, and she's starting to doubt that. Um, and then meanwhile, <clears throat> I think it's really important that, that her friends on the Colossus, her real friends in Kaz and Niku, that they don't give up hope. Um, mm-hmm. 
But obviously, I think Yeager and Tam had a little bit of a falling out right before everything happened, right? So yeah, there was there was tension there. And so I think Yeager is very quick to say to her, like, well, look, you made your choice. Like, I don't want to see you again. Um, mm-hmm. But Kaz uh, still still holds out hope that, that she just made a mistake, um, which we know that that's true. So we as an audience are sitting here going, like, well, we got to – how do we – how do we get these two characters back together um, and, and rescue Tam and, and get her back where she belongs without exposing the Colossus to danger. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I think that that's going to be a a tension throughout the entire season. I don't think that we're going to solve it anytime soon. So. No, you also have a, yeah, you also have Sonara um, kind of involved in this too. And she's on the other end saying, you know, you can't trust her anymore. And, and Kaz cites, um, you know, like, hey, I trusted you. Yeah, I uh, I really like you know that. What I, mean? I thought that that yeah. was a really that that was a really nice piece of writing that the way that they've positioned Sinara there, and yeah. then and then for Kaz to be like, like just to kind of throw it back in her face of like, I trusted right. you. That worked out pretty well. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I yeah yeah I I. Look, we I we gave the series a lot of flack last season, um, for for some sort of, I I, I think unfocused storytelling is the best way to put it. I think that I think that the first season was just kind of all over the map, um, but once it started to focus in on on the real story in the second half of the season, particularly like the last five episodes, yeah. um, the series started to get really good, and I think. I think now they have to be laser focused because of the, the corner that they've written themselves into. Um, and the war has begun. So, uh, now it's really about the resistance. It's not about learning about the Colossus and these characters, but at the same time, if we hadn't spent so much time with some of these characters over season one, maybe we wouldn't care as much. So maybe it was the right choice, but, Mm -hmm. uh, either way, this season is shaping up really great. Uh, uh, last week's episode was, it was fine. Like we said, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a season premiere, which was a little bit disappointing, but, right. um, uh, honestly, I think that if they would have, if they would have smashed these two stories together, um, and done a, done a one hour premiere, I would have changed my tune on that. Cause this episode mm. felt a little bit more season premiere ish, um, with, with the first order sort of bearing down on them. But I think if you, yeah. if they, if they could have done a one hour episode instead of two, half hour episodes i think they could have gotten through a little bit of the the repairing the colossus stuff faster last week and and then gotten into and we could have spent more time with the the salvage mission and the dog fighting um and uh, and 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 really kind of kind of lived in those spaces a little bit more but that's that's kind of hindsight and it's not really the way that the show's structured so um, I'm not going to hold it against them too much, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean that, and then next week's episode here, I'm going to, I'm going to read the description. Yeah. So sure. next week's yeah. episode is entitled live fire. Kaz officially joins the aces as does Yeager who trains them to become better combat pilots. Tam learns what it's like to be a first order pilot. So we've got, we've got these two sides of it. I like the, this duality yeah. of the story where we're going to have the aces learning what it means to be a resistance pilot um and uh, and and Tam finding out just what it means to be a first order pilot um and uh, I there's a clip 
that uh, the, that Disney XD posted on their Twitter. That's the only place that I've seen it so far. It probably runs on TV as well, but there's this great clip of them running one of these drills uh, and uh, the aces are all kind of formed up and they're like, oh, you know, this is a waste of time sort of thing. And, uh, and I like that Griff is like, no, uh, th- th- we need to, we need to watch each other's backs. Um, and, uh, I, and then we've discovered that Yeager and Kaz are basically piloting against them in this, in this drill. And, uh, and we see that a, like we saw last season in that one race episode that Yeager's a great pilot. But we're yeah. gonna get to see a little bit of what made him a hero of the rebellion, and uh, and we get to see Kaz in his element, right? And it's always great when Kaz gets back into a into the cockpit of a fighter, and we get to see him really excel. Um, and I think that this is gonna be a, a, a great episode for that, where we're gonna learn that that um, that the, actually the Aces have a lot to learn from Kaz, even if Kaz has a lot to learn from them. Um, and it's a ragtag group. And like this is what this is what Star Wars heroic stories are all about. Um and and I love it. Like it's we're going to bring together this group of very different people um and those differences are going to be what makes them stronger than the first order's uniformity and sheer numbers, right? Like they might be better yeah. trained, they might be better equipped and there might be more of them, but they miss they're they're lacking something that that the Colossus has, which is, uh, you know, I mean, like it's corny, but it's always get, it's Star Wars. It's always going to be corny, uh, but they're <laughs> they're missing that yeah. heart, and 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 now we're going to get to see Kaz and why he is the character that he is in this story, because I think that he is going to be the heart that brings this team together, um, and it's going to be a rough road, I think, for the first few the first few uh, engagements that they, that they end up in uh, and, and their training and stuff. I think it's going to be rough, but I think that Kaz and Yeager will get them there. And, uh, and I think Tora is also going to be on Kaz's side with a lot of this, knowing yeah. who he is and trusting him. So yeah, I'm really looking forward that, to it. I, I think that, I think the series yeah. is moving in the right direction. Uh, it, maybe it's a little, it's, it's too little too late uh, for a lot of fans, but, um, but I do think that uh, I do think that the series gets better with every episode. So, um, yeah, that clip that you mentioned kind of reminded me a little bit of, of Top Gun and uh, yeah. their training sequences, you know, where you have Viper and, and, uh, and you know, running around chasing after Maverick and all that kind of stuff. Totally. Kind of a little, a little bit, of, you know, of uh, reminded me of that. And so everything that. can always use a little bit more Top Gun infused into it, right? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm on board with you there, brother. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Course. I can't wait for Top Gun Maverick. Uh, yeah. I, when is that? Is that like, is that the summer or is it? It's summer of next year. Yeah. yeah. I think it's summer 2020. Uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you and I, we're going to do the Thunderquack review for Top Gun <laughs> Maverick awesome. for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. that there's going to be a lot of Star Wars and uh, and Resistance specific talk that comes into that. Uh, uh, yeah. We're going to make a lot of uh, uh, references back to, to Star Wars. <laughs> but uh, yeah. awesome. No doubt. Uh, That's well, it. That does it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com. Uh, and uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebelspodcast, and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. Uh, uh, as well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. 
Uh, and same as uh, same on Instagram. Oh, and Rebel Cells on Instagram as well. You can follow Matt on Twitter and Instagram at the Crankster. Uh, that's yes. Crankster with a K. And uh, and and you guys know we're a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out more great podcasts. And uh, and if you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by going to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. Uh, and then by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and supporting us over there with a monthly pledge. Uh, your monthly pledges go to uh, basically paying for hosting and uh, uh, sometimes equipment uh, when we really need it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, we couldn't do this without your support. So thank you to everybody who does support us over there on Patreon. And, uh, and of course, with Patreon, you get cool rewards as well. So hopefully that is worthwhile to everybody. But uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. And we will catch you next week for the episode Live Fire. Mm-hmm.